uh, first thing about an Earl Hunter, no targets are over a thousand yards. They're all inside of a thousand. Okay. So it kind of shortens up the distances and everything. But what it is is, well, that's funny because I thought a thousand yards was far. <laughs> And uh, now you're saying, like, oh, no, it's a uh, yeah, thousand yards. That's no problem. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, jeez. I was not. <laughs> I was not. But anyway, with that being said, welcome to Open Action with John McLean, brought to you by Arms Corps Precision. I'm, of course, your host, John McLean. In this episode, I have got a good friend of mine. Um, he is a three-gun national champion. He is a PRS competitor. He's probably one of the best long-range shooters I think I've ever met. Um, and he's an avid outdoorsman. My guest is Cody Leeper. Cody, thanks for coming on, buddy. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, John. So for those that don't know who you are, even though I just gave a brief introduction of what you've accomplished, why don't you uh, just go ahead and take a moment to introduce yourself to those that who have no clue who you are. <laughs> right. All right. So, um... I started shooting three gun when I was 14 years old, way back, I believe it was, oh God. 14 years ago? Yeah. So <laughs> tw 2009 Iron Man was my first three gun I ever shot. Um, and so from there, uh, did that and I was like, oh, hey, this is a realm of the shooting sports. It's actually fun because I actually started in precision small bore and air rifle, service rifle, all those kinds of things. Uh. And they were very boring for me. It's like the same thing over and over again. But I was really good at it. It just didn't pique my interest. And then I got into the action shooting sports. I was like, this is it. This is it. And uh, from there, I started traveling all around the country, shooting matches. Three Gun Nation was just now blowing up during that time frame. And so um, I ended up traveling West Virginia, Missouri, Texas, New Mexico, and doing all the things and ended up. Uh, as the first junior on the Pro Series uh, back in the Three Gun Nation days. And from there, I just I shot every match I could, and I ended up doing a lot down in Vegas is where I met you. <laughs> um, and from there, so I shot, I've shot limited, tack ops. I dabbled in one match in heavy. I might change that and do a little more. Um, open, I've been doing it for, a, God, it's 50, almost 15 years now. Wow, it's been almost 15 years. Um, and then during that time, PRS became a big thing. I was like, Hey, this is, uh, more along the lines of what I like to do. I actually really, really like shooting rifles at distance. So started doing that game a lot and then NRL Hunter popped up and now I'm doing a whole lot of that whilst trying to stay relevant in three gun. So here I am. It's been a good time. Well, there you, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, all right. So, so for those that don't know, actually, oh, see, I don't think we actually met in, well, we might've met in Vegas prior to going to MGM Ironman, but I think, I think MGM Ironman oh. is probably the first time we actually met each other, which that match for those that don't know. Okay. So, so a three gun <laughs> match utilizes pistol, rifle, shotgun, MGM Ironman. Uh, and, and so typically when you go to these matches, right, there's no coaching allowed, meaning that you can't have someone like walking alongside you, walking you through the course like as you're actively shooting. You're on the clock and you can't have someone saying, like, hey, no, no, come back. You missed a target on the left or anything like that. You've got to go all by yourself. You've got to come up with your stage plan. You have to execute it, you know, solo and then let the results fall where they may. MGM Ironman was not that way, mostly because those stages were insanely large. It was almost impossible for anyone to have all the stage memorized for 
what it was like 12 stages 15 stages or something like that it was nine or ten stages but they were and eight minute timeouts yeah and yeah exactly so from the from the moment the timer went you had eight minutes to try and hit all your targets and be done shooting that's how long some of these courses of fire were right and they actually even had bonus targets which was very cool because it was targets that if you chose to engage the level of difficulty was way higher but if you engage them you got time taken off of your final time and um so in reality it became a four gun match because a lot of people would bring their ARs for everything up close but then for the long range which was like what it was like it was like 500 800 and then like 900 or 1000 yards or something like that right yeah and I mean, they were decent sized targets. It's not like they were we were doing shooting precision targets, but they were still big. And like, you know, if you shot those targets, then you got pretty hefty bonuses per one per target that you hit. And so people would bring their bolt guns. So they'd bring six five Creedmoors and three oh eights and all that kind of stuff. So it became a four gun match. But that match, dude, like, uh, I, I'll tell you right now, I miss shooting that match. I don't know if I'd be able to like I would definitely go and suck it up and do it for how much fun it was but I you can bet your ass that I'd probably be complaining a little bit the entire time because of how much older I am and like it hurts for me to sit up in bed after sleeping <laughs> all night like oh my god yeah people I wish it was truly still around and since Iron Man's no longer around High Desert 3 Gun kind of took the mantle of that but it, it's it's still not the same it's it's big it's similar has the bonus targets has the super long stages super high round counts but i mean covid came in and kind of screwed up how we set up everything the ammo got super expensive and so people can't afford to shoot true iron man like we did before and it's funny everybody's like oh it was just longer stages like no big deal i was like no you guys don't understand like your round count for a match like texas three gun memorial three gun all these kinds of things it's like 500 rounds of rifle, 500 rounds of pistol, 500 rounds of shotgun. You just send that, you know, it'll be good for the match, right? People don't understand. That was two stages at Iron Man, typically for the average person. That was yep. two stages. You have, yeah. you have eight, eight more. <laughs> yeah, I would send, I would send two, uh, a typical match. Yeah, I send around five to 600 rounds. And then for Iron Man, I would send two grand or 2,000 worth of, of rifle, pistol, shotgun, and then, like, 500 slugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, that match was insane. Um, insanely fun. But I know Travis Gibson and all them, because it was put on by MGM, obviously, the MGM Iron Man. Um, man, they, they used to put so much work in. I mean, all the steel targets that they would go set out and set up. And, and the other thing that was interesting about the MGM Iron Man was not just the match itself. It was the location. Because if you wanted to test your gear to the absolute max, the best thing you could do is to force your shotgun to shoot 42 <laughs> rounds, you know, within a predicted time frame of maybe 40 seconds, but to do it in that Parma dust where like every gunshot would reverberate the dust, it would float up and then magically find its way into every little nook and crevice of every body part gun part belt like everything (laughs) like it really tested your gear like if your gear could survive that match you knew you were onto something yeah and it a lot of people run their ars super super wet like just dripping with oil they're like you gotta run it wet or it won't work oh buddy you're about to have mud (laughs) stop your gun from working (laughs) i don't know yeah like i don't think you understand the writing on the wall here like it's gonna stop working because it's so wet like good luck 
that, that match was a lot. Of fun. And and you know the other thing too. So you're up in Idaho, so you're probably pretty used to this. But I was down from Nevada, and I remember we were camping out on the range because there's not really a close hotel or anything like that to to stay at. Plus, mm-hmm. it's more fun to to camp out on the range. But um, at that time, like dude, the the sky doesn't actually get dark until like eleven. Mm-hmm. But you have to wake up at six to start shooting at like six forty five, seven o'clock. And you've just got your butt kicked all day long because it wasn't half day schedules either. So typically when people don't understand matches, it's like you'll shoot from seven to one. And then the afternoon squad shoots from one to six. And then everyone goes and has lunch. No, you start shooting at like like hammered down at 7 a.m. And you're not done shooting until probably eight or nine. Yep. Six, <laughs> like six or seven to seven, long. depending on the year. Yep. Oh, my gosh. And you'd, and you'd only shoot three, maybe four stages in a day. <laughs> yeah. And then you'd go, and so you'd get out on the on the, the camp out area, and everyone would be hanging out, and we'd be throwing little fire pits and all that kind of stuff and barbecue and whatnot. And then you'd be like, all right, guys, I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. You go lay down in your tent, and there's it's still daylight. So, like, your tent is fully illuminated as if, you know. So it was just – it was such a – such a man-maker of a match. I miss that <laughs> match for sure. Yeah, I do as well. So, um, all right. So we're we're gonna talk. I wanted to bring you on because uh, something was released recently, and apparently for you, two things were released recently mm-hmm. that were kind of into your forte. See, so I look at I looked at something that uh, this company came out with, and I was kind of like, I mean, I get it, but like, I don't know if I have a use for it, so I'm not gonna ask for one. Um, and that was kind of why I wanted to bring you on, which is that it was the Vortex Impact Four Thousand. That just got released. Yep. And basically, it is a device. It's a, a range-finding device that also gives you ballistical data and corrections that are necessary for your optic, your bullet, your velocity, and all that kind of stuff. And it pretty much mounts to your scope, and you can send the laser beam out, get a verification of the distance of a target, and then it tells you how you need to adjust your optic to make that hit happen. Um, and that just... that it's it, the technology is super cool. Don't get me wrong. When I was watching the videos and reading about it, like it, it very much made sense to why I could see value in it, especially from like a PRS competitor standpoint. But I also do think that maybe there's some um, benefits for it just being in the general market, whether or not you're a hunter or you just want to shoot for fun or anything like that, and you want to shoot long range for fun and stuff like that. So, so let's talk a little bit about your specialty, which is the long range game. And um, let's just start off with, you know, what if, if someone were to get into precision shooting, not not a com- competition, but if they just wanted to learn, what does it mean to send a round out to 300, 500, 700 yards? Um, what do you think are some of the best things for a brand new person to focus on as far as gear goes um, to help their journey start off on the right foot? Um, it's going to sound really, really silly, but fundamentals, like we take it all the way back. Fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. Don't try to get fancy, uh, right off the bat. You'll see us using rear tripods and bagging up super crazy ways and have all the gadgets and gizmos. The number one thing, and it was actually a building block of what I still revert back to. And I still think of all the time. I go back to the fundamentals of what I was taught during my days in precision small bore air rifle and uh, service rifle. And those fundamentals are so, so key. And everybody always says it's the most generic response ever. Practice your fundamentals. But 
truly, truly down to the core, that's the building block of everything you do when it comes to long range shooting. Um, so I, I can't stress enough to people how much of just practicing your fundamentals and knowing the right fundamentals to practice and actually looking up the information and stuff like that, coming to people like me to learn about it. Um, but the second thing I'd say is don't overcomplicate ballistics and learn it step by step and learn it little by little. Master each bit of progression that you go through. Uh, you're going to learn, okay, what's, how do I calculate drop? Okay, master that. Master learning about the BC of a bullet, velocity, how that uh, the twist rate of the barrel affects the BC of the bullet, can increase it or decrease it in stabilization. Like, and for those that don't know, what is what is what would you say BC is? Uh, ballistic coefficient. How efficiently the bullet flies through the air. That's okay. the most simple way I can put it. And uh, there's two different ways to measure it. Learn those. Um, and actually understand what's going on. Master that piece. And then go into, all right. Now, part of that was wind, but only a certain part. Now, let me really learn how to read wind. And actually go in and the golden key I, I tell this to people all the time i have the magic ticket as to how to master shooting in the wind you know what the secret is uh send one see where the splash is and make the, <laughs> make the correction <laughs> no, no, no i know you're guilty of it because i am too all right when you go to pack up like i want to go to the range today or tomorrow uh, let's see and you pull up your weather app you're like oh it's really windy and nasty tomorrow you know what now nah, i'll wait till next weekend no, you should be like, mm. oh, yeah, it's awesome, really windy and nasty tomorrow. Perfect range day. Like, actually go shoot in the wind. Um, you, there's a lot of things to learn, aerodynamic jump, all that kind of stuff, but actually going and doing it and actually shooting in the wind will teach you more than any listening to anybody talk about how to shoot in the wind. Like, actually going out there and doing it will teach you more. Um, mm. And then you can start learning things like uh, how many mile per hour wind is your gun. Like there's eight mile an hour guns, 10 mile an hour guns, 12 mile an hour guns. Um, and that's a whole huge principle you can learn. So the basic concept of that is if I range at 700 yards, if I give a full value, 10 mile an hour wind, if my wind calls 0.7, that's a 10 mile an hour gun. If I do a wind call of 12 miles an hour and at 700 yards, it's 0.7, that's a 12 mile an hour gun. And so you can now say, oh, it's about six miles an hour. I know half of my call at 700 would be 0.3 and you can do wind calls on the fly and you can base that off of quartering full value half value different speeds and you can do this so all on for, the fly so for those that aren't watching the youtube clip you may have just seen my eyes glaze over <laughs> and uh the blue screen of death that we all know from computers pop up because holy crap that was a lot of a lot of numbers that just popped yep. up in and I'm half Asian. I should be good at math, but the half Irish part of me is the part that, that handles the brain, unfortunately. So all right, so let's let's walk that through <laughs> one more time real quick. So you said you're so you're shooting a target at seven hundred yards. Mm -hmm. If you okay, and then if, if you give a full like say I'm using my Vortex Fury five thousand binos, I can put a ten mile an hour full value wind in there. If I range that target at seven hundred yards and my wind call comes out as point seven of a mil. That's a uh -huh. 10 mile an hour gun. And then that would mean at 300 yards, it'd be 0.3. 800 yards would be 0.8, roughly. This is just a glaze over the whole concept. Okay. But All right, yeah, okay, that yeah. makes sense. And if it's an 8 mile an hour gun, that means I'd have that same thing happen if I 
put in eight miles an hour. So it's a slower or lower BC gun. And a really high BC or really fast gun uh, might get up to 12 mile an hour. Okay. And so then let's let's just call it 500 yards. If I'm at 500 yards and I have a full value 10 mile an hour wind because I have a 10 mile an hour gun, that means my wind call should be about 0.5. But then if a wind switches, now it's a half value wind at 10 miles an hour. I know the whole 0.25. Got it, got it. Yeah, you know, okay. that's a simple, simple, this is a, just a glaze over the topic. And this is why I, t- I, I said, learn it step by step, process by process. Mm-hmm. Master one spot before you go on to the next. And some things you might master instantly. Like, you're, you're Asian, you're a numbers guy, you might get the ballistic stuff down immediately. I, I don't, you know? And so it's like, <laughs> got it, makes sense, moving on to the next step. But like... <laughs> actually go process by process and build like a set of stairs just you know you'll never reach the top of these set of stairs because there's always something to work on but you need to hit this step before you hit this step before you hit this step right if you skip a step it could be it could be disaster if you miss that next step and don't do it quite right and then you back you're back to where you were and and i'll almost say this too like um I know just if you listen to that part of the podcast and already your palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy, um, don't like, don't let that scare you. Like anything that you're going to get into that's either brand new or is unknown, you're, you're always going to feel overwhelmed and you're never going to feel prepared to start. But as Cody's saying, like one of the best ways to get started is to just go like you can't you can't start anything without taking a first step. And unfortunately that means just having the faith to just get your feet moving and you're either going to step on a stone, you're going to step in mud, you're going to step off a cliff, but either way, you just got to take that step and then see where things go. Um, because what I, what I would equate that to is like when I first started getting the three gun and the, the concept of MOA was introduced to me, <laughs> that made my brain and my eyes glaze over and the blue screen of death pop up in my brain because I was like, wait, well, what, what, where do minutes come into shooting? Like, why are we talking about time all of a sudden? And, stuff? and then it was that, that concept of understanding. Well, one inch at 100 yards is one minute, and then so on and so forth. And how do you, how do you make these calls? How that adjustment changes? How at 200 yards, now it's two inches. And at 500 yards, it's five inches to still stay within that one minute. Mm-hmm. So that concept to me now, having practiced it and lived it and experienced it, I understand it fully, but the first time someone started explaining it to me, I was just like, oh, God, it's like, <laughs> it's like me trying to learn algebra again. What the hell is this? So, so what I'll say is, is you just heard all that information from Cody, but don't let it scare you from trying it. I think, I think really what Cody is trying to say there is that there's a lot to learn, but the, the number one thing you probably do is just get out there, give it a try. 100%. The worst that happens is you miss, you send some bullets downrange, and they don't hit the target, but... So it's the other thing that I, I find, if I'm understanding this correctly, with, with PRS versus 3-Gun. Like 3-Gun, you're on a timer, and if you want to shoot until your time runs out, then you can. But at PRS matches and precision matches, you're almost like you're forced in the aspect of, look, you get, you get two opportunities. And if you, don't make, if you miss on both shots, you need to move on to the next target. You don't get to keep engaging it until you hit it, right? Mm-hmm. So... So remember that too is if if you decided to go out and shoot some sort of local match it's it's not like you're going to go out there and you need to take 500 rounds of 65 Creedmoor because you think you're going to miss everything in reality if there's there's 20 targets you might need to take 
40 bullets if if we were, if it was that kind of setup where we had two <coughs> rounds per target mm -hmm. you know potentially and stuff so it's not like it's going to be a huge huge investment as far as yeah sending thousands and thousands of rounds down your gun but yeah, yeah it's really not and uh and the thing is it's like hits matter more than time even on the time stages because they a regular prs match has a tiebreaker stage where they time that stage and then instead of you know we'll have because you could have 30 people with the same exact points at the end of the match and they all stacked up together so that one stage of time determines where you fall at in that point allotment so like if 30 mm. people got 26 points if you're the fastest time you're the, you're the top placement of that 26 point people however let's say you missed a shot during that, because they're usually six or eight round stages for the tiebreakers. If you miss a shot during that, that just potentially bumps you down 30 spots. Because let's say there's another 30 people with 27 points. If you would have gotten one more hit because you took just a half second longer, you could have been up 20 more places. So hits always matter mm. way more than time. Um, but when I talk about this, like building blocks, stair-stepping, master one thing after the next... It's mostly for the fact of like anybody can go out there and try to learn it all at once and go out there and be decent. Like there are freaks in nature who are going to just show up and crush. But if you truly take the time, if you really want to do this, if you want to just have fun, cool. Just look at all the information, go out there and learn it as you go and get those hard lessons. But if you really want to truly like be good, learn those masters as you stair step up. So you're not overwhelmed with too much at once and forget this, but then remember this thing and it'll actually just, it'll set you up for better success. Build you, mm -hmm. it'll just build you better. Yeah. Well, you know, guns, it's, it's funny because firearms, guns, bullets, ammunition, all that kind of stuff, they, they kind of come across as simple devices, right? Like, mm -hmm. a gun contains an explosion that causes a hunk of metal to go flinging out of it really, really fast towards a target. But there's there's so much more that goes into it as far as the science and the engineering and the mechanics and the pressures and all that kind of stuff that, like, most people I don't think even register or, or comprehend how much really goes into the development of ammunition and the development of barrels and twist rates and all that kind of stuff. Like, cause I mean, every, and, and it's funny that you talk about how, you know, how, uh, going out and practicing something in those conditions is good, but it's funny that it's not the solution because the problem is if you go out there and you practice that with your rifle set up the way it is, the, the thing that has happened is that now your barrel has changed a little bit the weather conditions are always going to be changing. Your bullets are never 100% consistent. Every bullet has a little bit of a discrepancy. Like every time you shoot through a chronograph, if your numbers, if you shoot 10 bullets and, and 10 times your bullet came out at 2,000 feet per second, that would be like an act of God, right? Mm -hmm. Like it would be a freak of nature that every single bullet went the exact same velocity out of your gun over 10 rounds. So it's just funny that like, even when you, and it's, I think it's the same. It's 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 not just that your skill set can be built up and then also be torn down with practice and time and you know, all, but your equipment does too. Like eventually, your gun just won't be able to perform what it did 
5,000 rounds ago. And you have to be able to track those changes as they happen. Like you could be shooting the same bullet, you could be shooting the same load data with the same powder and all that kind of crap. But as your barrel life decreases, that bullet's going to start reacting a different way and you need to be able to track that. You know, it's just very interesting. Like the, the fact you talked about, you know, the, the bullet coefficient. So you're talking about how the bullet flies through the air and cuts through the wind and, and air densities and all that kind of stuff. Like most people just think of like, oh, it's just a bullet. Like it just flies through the air, right? Well, you got to realize like the angle of the attack from the nose to the widest part of the bullet. What are the angles that it's at? Is it rounded or is it like a, just a steep straight line before it comes to like a squared off face, you know, wall? And then what does the back of the bullet look like? Does the back of the bullet concave in or does it just straight cut across or is it hollowed out? Like all that stuff affects the, the effects of drag and wind. And like that, that stuff breaks my brain to think that there was someone out there at one point that was like, well, what if we did this to the bullet? How would that change it? Nope, that, that made it worse. Okay, let's do this to the bullet. Yep, that definitely seems to make it better. So now let's, you know, build... Like, dude, we've come a long way. I think we've come a very long way from the uh, bows and arrows and musket balls. We've come <laughs> right? a long way in the past 10 years. Like, just the past 10 years, we've seen so many advancements in the long-range game, whether it be accessory technology or actual bullet and cartridge technology, uh... It, it it's it's a whole different game. It's pretty awesome. And what's what's great about it is people like you who don't like numbers, they've made it very very simplified and just be, provide you everything you need. Here's the keys to success. You just got to implement those in the correct way. Yeah. It's it's not <laughs> that I don't love numbers. It's just I don't like having to solve. Like I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying like in in all my years of living on this earth, I have yet to have someone come up to me with an equation that says, "Dude, I can't figure out where X is." So, you know, like I'm sure there's probably someone out there that 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 happens to them on a regular basis where they have to use math in order to make a living and save someone's life. And I'm just not one of them. So, <laughs> you same. Know. All right. All right, now let's say this. Um, so let's go back to the the Vortex Impact 4000 for a moment. So obviously you're very knowledgeable. I, on the other hand, am not very knowledgeable. So if I were a brand new shooter and I was going to go out and just try and shoot a local precision rifle match, right? Mm-hmm. Do I need the Impact 4000? No. No, no. you don't. Um and there's, there's a lot better ways. If you have all the money in the world and you can afford to just buy every Gasmo Gidget and do everything right off the bat, cool, do it. Yeah, it, it, it's it's another tool you can add to the repertoire. And um, the way I see it, if you have gusts happening of wind, you can set that uh, impact to the higher wind call. And let's say there's a target with a bush behind it where you can't see where you're impacting, you don't know where you're missing and then you notice the wind has gusted, you could have a higher wind call on that um, Impact 4000 range, get a new wind call, be like, oh, hold more and send it and, you know, potentially hit. But really, it's it's not something that's necessary for the brand new shooter. And especially in the, uh, specifically the PRS game, you don't really need it. You are prepping before the stage just like you would a three-gun match or a two-gun match you have so do you do you get to walk stages at prs matches yes the only thing you can't do is like we can kneel behind positions 
and really get in there physically take your gun and yeah and and so it's similar like that you can you can climb all over see what you want to do with it but it's like you can't actually practice it you you know what you're up against you get to see what's happening you get to range targets before range targets have your dope you have 100 percent of your information when you walk up you just get in position and shoot like it is that simple and you'll see we have range cards already built that we attach to little arms that stick out from our scopes um and so we know all the details. I usually, I have my drop for a target and then two wind calls. Drop for a target, two wind calls if it's multiple targets on a stage. And so I have 100% of the information already available to me before I start the stage. So that's why I okay. specifically mentioned it if you have a really gusty day where it's like four miles an hour, then suddenly it's just raging at nine or ten miles you might i could see some benefit there but for the regular prs game impact 4000 is not it like it's not meant for that um the impact 4000 it's it's got a lot of capabilities and it's amazing but where it really shines is things like nrl hunter or tactical shooting or hunting especially like predators and stuff like that where you know you range them here and by the time you get fumbled put your rangefinder away or your binos or whatever and then dial your scope and everything that predator you know that coyote's probably moved by then you need range information send it even holdovers even more than just you know reach up and dialing so it's those situations and why i say nrl hunter is because uh it's set up in a different way than prs it's a very similar to style match but uh first thing about nrl hunter no targets are over a thousand yards they're all inside of a thousand So it kind of shortens up the distances and everything. But what it is is... Well, that's funny because I thought a 1,000 yards was far. (laughs) And uh, now you're saying, oh, no, it's a 1,000 yards. That's no problem. (laughs) I'm like, whoa, jeez. Tall order. Don't worry. We'll get you out. And our NRL hunter, because (laughs) you've mentioned it a couple times, and it kind of seems like something I I would definitely want to be a little bit more. Or maybe maybe that's where I would want to get started if I I got into precision. So to me, it's the most fun realm of shooting sports right now like you know obviously i have my love for three gun and all that kind of stuff but i've been doing it for so long like i go mostly for the people now but i still love the sport but it's 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 a different vibe um nrl hunter still amazing people but truly the way the matches are set up is what i love about it um so well, what it is yes there's probably there's probably not that much reset involved <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think is yeah. when, when we're talking about three gun <laughs> USPSA and stuff. It's I'm not a professional shooter. I'm a professional resetter that occasionally gets to shoot some stuff. Yeah, but yeah, I I we wait spend every, most of our time. Yeah, I spend two hours of my day shooting for forty seconds just to reset for another two hours before I shoot for forty seconds again. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. That, that's what we do. Um. All right. So you already have my attention because that does sound like way more fun. Yep. Um, yeah, and they're actually starting to do a lot more back east um, over by you now, too. So um, there's, there is, I think, like four, five, six matches that happen back east um, at different places. But what it is is, so the premise of the match is hunting-like scenarios. Uh, and so it's blind stages. You don't know what you're going up against when you go to the stage. But you are given a certain amount of information. So every stage, targets no farther than 1,000. So we already know that. Gen- generic rules. You also have, if there's four targets on the stage, that means you'll be shooting from one position. If there's two targets on the stage, that means you'll take two positions. So two, two, 
two targets from this position, go to a second position, shoot those two targets again. If there's one target, that means you'll shoot it from four different positions. So okay. that is a base. That is how every stage is set up. Another fact about that, targets are either left to right or near to far. And so you'll be given that information in your staging area around the corner from the stage or whatever so you can't see what's going on. But you'll be told, okay, you have two pigs, two positions, they're left to right. Okay, um, you have four prairie dogs from near to far, uh, one position. Okay, or you'll be told you have one buffalo and your position, you'll have four positions. four positions. So you know kind of what you're doing and they'll tell you, okay, your starting stake is here and here's where you're gonna run up to and you'll be able to spot from there. So the other thing that's known for a fact is you have a spotting position. Your first position from shooting is usually your spotting position, sometimes it's not. But you have your spotting position and if you set up your tripod up or stand right over that spotting position, you will then have two vectoring lines. So they'll put flags out there and they'll be at a left to right limit. So you know my targets are in between these two lines. Hmm, so okay. kind of instead of walking up there being like, wow, Having where are they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so then on top of that, the first target on an array, um, or if it's the only target or if it's one or two, first target has a like one foot, roughly one foot by one foot placard by it with either a letter or the stage number, some matches their stage number, some matches they're just random letters. Um, and so... If you get up there, you start glassing in those lines, you find the card, you're like, okay. And if it's one of the matches where it's random letters, you just ask the ROs, like, is it K? And they'll tell you yes or no. If they tell you no, you might not be in you your vectoring a, lines. You, you found a, a different stage. From somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. And so um, once you do that, you have to find all the targets. So that's the first challenge, is finding all the targets. If you have four targets, it can be kind of a pain. Um, but you'll know they're left to right, near to far. And sometimes left to right means first target's at 400, you scan the horizon, you're like, whoa, that's really close. And the next target's at 200 yards. Mm. But it's left to right. And then near to far, it's like, okay, they're, they're winding up this valley. And it's like, you, first one's 400. You're like, all right. Second one's five. Third one's six. Where's four? Oh, it's up there at 800. Like, they, you know, they work just like this right up the valley and last one's way out there or something you know it's all sorts of weird stuff like that and then you gotta look at your position and see what you're doing so you got a range get your wind calls find a way to translate that into data i can take with me and then you gotta get behind your gun and shoot from your positions so it's a lot more interactive and you have to do a lot more <clears throat> to actually execute these stages than any other thing and you only have four minutes to do it so Ooh, when they okay. say your time starts now and you leave the staging area you you have to run up to where the spotting post is get all your gear out find range and then engage from one or four positions one two or four positions within four minutes so it puts a high level of stress on you Okay, and, and uh, do you have shot limits? Like, are you only allowed to take one shot per target? or? Ah, uh, yeah. So, on this, uh, it is different scoring than, uh, like, PRS or anything else. So, you have four targets on every stage, no matter what. 
technically, even if it's one physical target, one target you'll shoot at position, it from four positions, yeah, okay. so it's four targets. Um, and so, first round hit, two points. Then you move on, either to the next target or the next position. If you miss that first shot, you get a second shot for one point. If you miss that second shot, you got to move on. Okay. Yeah. So you might only shoot, like, let's say there's 20 stages of the match. That's 80 targets. You If if you didn't drop a shot, you only shoot 80 rounds. But if you get second round impacts the Worst entire case match. Scenario. Worst case scenario is 160 rounds. Yeah. And so I usually shoot anywhere between 100 to 140, depending on the match and oh, how well suck. I'm doing. I know. <laughs> Okay, so that sounds fun as hell, and that's probably something I'll probably uh, we'll, we'll have to discuss for sure um, mm-hmm. about maybe getting something to go there. But all right, so maybe that's that sounds if, if someone's listening and they go, that sounds like fun as hell. Like I think I'd probably get into that. Okay, what is the what would you suggest being the bare minimum requirements as far as gear goes for someone to get involved into something like that? Um, I would honestly tell people to start in factory. Uh, so factory division, you have to be under 12 pounds and it has to be a rifle to commercially available from uh, manufacturers. You so mean like, under 12 pounds, the entire package of the rifle that is, has to be under 12 pounds? Yes, and that is scope, scope mounts, bipods, everything. Like muzzle devices, okay. all of it has to be under 12 pounds. So like for example, I shoot Seekins. I shoot nothing but Seekins rifles. So I shot um, factory division all year and I shot... They're PH2. They now actually have an NRL Hunter edition that has a couple accessories and whatnot. Because you can't modify the stocks or do anything like that to add bipods or anything. And so they made an NRL Hunter edition so you could actually throw an Arca rail. There's already inleted uh, stuff on the bottom of the handguard so you can throw an Arca rail on there and whatnot. But Seekers PH2, Vortex LHT, and a Harris bipod. I can buy all of those right off the street, nothing custom pretty cheap setup in reality of things because you can get up to you know five eight thousand dollars super quick so so So, what is relatively cheap in this uh in this scenario that you're um rifles because it's relatively cheap to me is 400 bucks rifles (laughs) rifles 16 scopes 12 like so all in you're talking a 2800 under three thousand dollar rifle and optic setup which is not that bad yes you can go cheaper there's other options out there, but like a truly high performance setup, and like I won the Leopold Precision Rifleman match, um, or Relentless Rifleman match, um, with that setup, and it it was straight up literally a hunting gun. As I have four buddies who have taken deer with that gun, like <laughs> it is legitimately a hunting rifle, <laughs> and so I just took it and went and shot these matches, um, and so. You don't have to get overly complex with it. There's a lot of options out there for factory division, and I would suggest starting there. And then, um, so if someone has something like a uh, like a Ruger American Predator rifle and six five Creedmoor, is it. that good enough? It's good enough. Come out and shoot like that. that you could 100 percent fall because that's even lighter. Um, at sometimes that's about the same. Um, okay, because I but, I don't want think, people to think yeah. that they have to go to like those semi custom rifle no. builders or whatever. Like you don't have to drop a thousand dollars on your rifle to to give it, and you don't even have to drop twelve hundred fourteen hundred dollars yeah. on that scope either. As long as you've just got a scope that you know how it works, you can see fairly clearly and see your targets. Like it's got enough magnification. It sounds like is is really all you kind of need to get started. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you you'll see guys out there with you know 
carbon fiber barrels and magnesium chassis and sky pods and it's like your bipod alone is worth more than half my rifle like you don't have to go to that level you can be mid-level like where i'm at or you can be ruger american predator with a vortex strike eagle on it like it just come out and shoot like it is mm-hmm. very very simple and the ranges like we shot the uh hornady precision hunter match in price utah and I think the longest shot on that was seven ninety five. Like most of the shots were six five six and in. Like it was really cool, but it was kind of hard to find targets, and they presented a little more uh, difficult positions. And so um, it's a lot easier. Some matches, uh, Gunworks match out in Wyoming at Cody. That was a lot of longer targets and a lot of really tricky wind and super steep angles. So that provided a different challenge and where that nicer gear might have helped a little bit. But honestly, I think somebody could come in with a Ruger American Predator and the cheap, cheap setup and could come in and give a run for the money on a lot of people. And they actually do very, very well. It's, It's evolved into... A gear game just like everything else however you, the barrier to entry is still super super low it's actually lower mm-hmm. almost for that than anything else yeah and then though yeah the, the the aspect of they limit how many shots you can take so you really can't see because i think that's that's the other thing because like um when, when we talk about uspsa for example you know i've been shooting single stack for quite a while so i'm i for the majority of the time i shoot major which means i have to shoot a 40 caliber or larger bullet and i'm limited to eight rounds per the rules Mm -hmm. per mag right and i can go through a stage i can go through a match and have maybe 10 makeup shots whether it was steel or paper or anything like that right and i would call that pretty that's a pretty solid performance for me and then i'll throw a limited gun on and i'll walk stages and be like oh i've got like nine nine extra bullets before i have to do a reload and somehow my brain completely throws away all the fundamentals that I've developed with shooting a single stack and goes, well, you've got eight bullets. You can get a little sloppy or nine bullets or whatever. And then next thing I know, I'm doing a standing reload, even though I had eight extra, like, you know, it's funny. So when, when I don't know, like, I'm, I feel like, uh, you know, when we met, I used to what we would call go squirrel, right? Like it was always, hey, hey, McLean, pull it back. Pull it back just a little bit, dude. You're going too fast, right? Like it was like you you're not calling your shots. You're just spraying and praying. And oh, buddy, you still and do that. I do, but like not <laughs> not not as hard. Oh no no no. If anything, like my brain has developed a form of Tourette's with my trigger finger, where I can't do the insane splits I used to do back in the day because my brain is literally going like, no, aim. We learned how to aim, so do it. You know, like you didn't see your sights, you're not going to pull the trigger, kind of thing. So. Um, <clears throat> all right, so that definitely sounds like, uh, yeah, something we're going to have to go into more when, when we're all done. I'm going to get some information from you about that. Now, with that being said, so that that just based on what you've said, that definitely seems like something that the Impact 4000 from Vortex would be beneficial for. But I also think that if that's the case, then hunting would also be a pretty phenomenal uh, application for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so, unfortunately, here in Idaho, you cannot use it because you can't have any electronic devices other than an illuminated reticle um, attached to the rifle or scope. So, mm. automatically takes it out. 
laser range finding binos with ballistics it is. And so Got I can't it. use them here, uh, at least for any game species. We may, um, I already have an email out to Fishing Game asking about predator hunting because they're technically a non-game species, whether it'd be okay for that. Um, well, and, there, and there's a lot of there's a lot of leeway when it comes to predator hunting too. Like a lot of places are, they say like, well, if you're hunting deer, you're not allowed to have flashlights. You're not yeah. allowed to have, you know, you're not allowed to use night vision or thermal. Mm -hmm. But yet with coyote hunting, it's like, nope, go out at night, shine a big ass spotlight on them, and then use your thermal to smack them in the face. <laughs> it, <laughs> you know? Exactly. So um, I do have an email off to them because it's like our the argument is non-game species. They're a predator. Can mm -hmm. we use it? So. It's more like nuisance control environments and yeah, and so that's one of those things. Like those animals don't just stand there and graze for the most part. Yeah, like they 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 sometimes do, but they're moving. Well, they're if a coyote's moving. standing and grazing, it's because he's over a carcass. Yeah, like they're they're <laughs> constantly moving, and so yeah. um, and you pull one up, it's like all right, cool range lays. There's my wind call. There's my dope send it um but there is actually one really cool feature about uh, the impact 4000 that especially for hunting scenarios makes it really really valuable is they have a wind bearing capture mode right just like we've seen in the uh laser range finders and stuff like that where you tell it which direction the wind's coming from and it gives it into your solution uh based on the mile per hour you tell it this takes it a step further so when you enter wind bearing capture mode let's say you're pointing at a target enter wind bearing capture mode, um, a little clock, and then your mile per hour will pop up onto the screen. Um, you can press the left and right buttons, either on the remote or the actual unit itself. And you can change on a, on that clock, it'll show you an arrow that's pointing like, okay, towards the center. Like, so if my wind's coming from there at like, let's call it 130, I can actually tell that the wind's coming from that 130 direction. And then I can say, oh, it's eight miles an hour. And I can get out of wind bearing capture mode. Okay, so I'll shoot this target. It hits, perfect, got a good wind call on it and everything. All of a sudden, now there's a target over there. I swing my rifle. I range that. Same range, I have a different wind call. Because it remembered the bearing of that capture. And it automatically adjusted on that o'clock direction telling me the wind is now coming from, you know, five instead of 130 so you don't have to re-enter your wind call it yep. is using its internal compass or whatever yep it, it's locked on to knowing the wind is coming from there so i can turn that 180 degrees and shoot all the way over here and it'll give mm. me the ballistics proper for the change in wind direction so that is super super valuable on it yeah i could see the um implications for that okay so it, it sounds like then this unit was really kind of built more for uh pre predator hunting i think for sure but mostly kind of like that uh the prs nrl hunter style oh, absolutely. match play like this okay. is this is big long range guns like dedicated long range platforms um ar10s bolt guns you name it if you're shooting do they have any gas gun stuff in in nrl or is it all strictly i mean you can shoot a gas gun if you want just like PRS, PRS has a division for it. Uh, NRL doesn't mm. have a division. It's just okay, yeah, so if you're you'd if, be competing against bolt guys, but yeah. Um, and there is a minimum power factor, so you'd have to shoot a six five creed more or bigger out of it because this is something I forgot to mention. Instead of a tiebreaker stage where they do it based on time, 
They do it based on power factor, just like <laughs> USPSA. So uh, minimum power factor is, I think, 380,000 because um, they don't take the three numbers off the end uh, <laughs> like we do. Right. Um, and so 380,000, so that's your typical 6.5 Creedmoor, 140-grain bullet going 27 meets it just fine. You can't meet that power factor with a 6 mil of any sort that I've seen at least. But like 25 Creedmoors, uh, 257 Blackjacks, those calibers can. And so you just got to meet power factor at least for open light and open heavy, which are two divisions. But the factory division, you can use 6 mil. It's allowed. And so you got to delve into the rules there. But your tiebreaker is now who has the bigger power factor. And so, so that's part of the reason. The caliber, I, though, is it based on the caliber as far as the size of the bullet, or is it based on the velocity? So like, it's bullet so weight like, times velocity. Okay, so you have to meet the power factor, which means like a three hundred eight, you're fine because it's a big yeah. ass heavy bullet that's going pretty. Okay, yeah. So you're not limited. So like for those that have the three hundred eight rifle, they could go out and play tomorrow. Oh, hundred percent. They don't have to jump to six five. Speaking of, let's talk about this real quick because it seems to be that uh, one of those those. <laughs> Those the conversations that hunters and precision guys and and fuds and you know all that kind of stuff. Mm. Three hundred eight versus six five Creedmoor. Six. Why is it like why why is it got to be haters? Like if you shoot a three hundred eight, then cool. If you shoot six five, cool. Why is it that if you shoot three hundred eight, you're a fud, and if you shoot six five, you're a, a a Gen Z or millennial that likes to drink your cafe latte with a scarf wrapped around your neck in July. Because people are too egotistical and prideful to just say, "Oh yeah, that's relevant." No, only what they <laughs> think's relevant is relevant. Like it's it's it just boils down to that ego egoism and freaking pride, man. Like <laughs> that's all it is. It's gonna be our downfall. Because it's, I, always, it's always our downfall. I, yeah, I I had a guy come into a class and he's he's like, "Oh, that stupid six five Creedmoor. That's useless." useless. And I was like, "Okay, cool. I'm gonna have to deal with this all day." <laughs> <laughs> and he was shooting he was shooting god what was he shooting it was some big belted magnum i think it was a 300 weather b shooting mm-hmm. crap bc bullets and it's like okay cool it hits with the oomph but, but you're wanting to go at, at distance from me now and so um it doesn't matter how much oomph you have you gotta hit the target bud <laughs> <laughs> and he couldn't eat right. crap because everything was just screwed up. So, I mean, it, there's merits to everything. And I think if you can't just subjectively be like, oh, yeah, it's good for this, but not for this. And this is good for this, but not this. You don't have a big enough brain. Well, the reason why <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm interested to bring that up is because, you know, in the firearms world, like if you if you look around, there's just there's a ton of different bullets out there. Right. And some were meant for specific purposes. Some are good for multi-purposes, right? But uh, it's it's very rare for a caliber to become universally accepted amongst the firearms industry as being good for a specific thing. And that's why 6.5 Creedmoor, to me, I think got so much hype was because it was one of the few bullets in my time of being in the firearms world where, yeah, it might have started off as kind of like a wildcat round that, um, oh, we'll, we'll see where it ends up. To now, almost every major ammunition manufacturer makes several versions of the 6.5. They make full metal jacket target versions. They make hunter versions. They make accuracy precision versions and all kind of stuff, right? Same thing with 308. It's a round that you can, if you look up any of the big guys, 
I know for a fact Arms Corps makes it, you know, Federal, Winchester, Hornaday, all these companies, they all make a 308. But we're the only ones that make a 22 TCM, right? Mm-hmm. No one else makes a TCM. There's other companies that they only make certain calibers and, you know, whatever. And I I don't know. Like, I, I'm impressed with the 6.5 Creedmoor and its ability to to hit that cross-platform, cross-agenda-making, um, meeting criteria that us as gun owners and hunters and and target shooters and precision guys and professionals and amateurs alike hit but like i guess my biggest thing is like if if someone were to be looking to get into buying a bolt rifle why why pick one over the other Because six five seems to be like, oh, that's that's the cool guy around. Like if you're if you're gonna do it, you got to get a six five, right? But so like, it should have pushed out of BC, like... man. BC, yeah. your better BC bullets are coming out of six five, and BC helps with your wind calls. Like nothing can defeat wind like BC can. Uh, here's an example. Uh, at the NRL Hunter finale, me and Benny Cooley both shooting factory division, both shooting Seekins oh, PH2s. I love Benny. Yeah. Benny Cooley, that's a shout out to you, my man. Like, oh, yep. I, it's been a while. We we got to shoot a couple matches together. I love. Yeah, anyway, I've been, if you, I've if been you shooting with if them you all year. Done. It's been amazing. And also, uh, Tate Moots. Oh, Tate! Oh, damn! Dave oh, Neff, John Snodgrass, oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. so everyone's just jumping ship and going to a different boat i'm i'm left behind in a lifeboat y'all, yep. y'all are sailing away on the new titanic yeah we're having a lot more fun over there without you just gonna oh. rub it in your face um yeah. but he shot six creed more because factory division he could shoot six creed more he shot that with 110 a tips for most of the year um i shot norma golden target factory ammo for most of the year uh 143 game bullets I finally switched over to the... I'm shooting a 6.5 PRC. So I'm shooting a 6.5 PRC with 135 grain A-tips going 29.80, like right at 3,000. And they're cooking. And they got a really good BC, and they're cooking. So it's like, okay, this must like just cut through the wind, have zero drop, like it's awesome. Benny showed up to the finale shooting 6.5 Creedmoor with 153 A-tips going like... 2550 or 2600 just ridiculously slow and i was like what and so he has more drop so his drop calls are more drastic than mine with the 135s going 3000 however we both have a 10 mile an hour gun so that slow bullet it just has such a crazy high bc that it still defeats the wind and at the same distances he has the same wind calls as me we just have different elevation calls so that's mm. why BC matters. That's a perfect example right there. Why BC is king when it comes to defeating wind. Even if you're going slower, it's still doing more for you on the wind side. And it's lower <laughs> recoil, less barrel wear. And like he was able to shoot and have a lot more time before that bullet impacted. Like he was able to, you know, settle with from the vibrations of the shot because there's basically no recoil to it. Um, and actually watch it drop in. Me, it's like, mm-hmm. boom, whack. Oh, crap, where did that, like, where exactly on the plate did that hit? And so it was two sides of the same coin. And that's why that was, it was a perfect example of explaining why BC is king when it comes to defeating wind and why 6.5 Creedmoor is better than a 308 simply for the fact of the wind calls are going to be less. It's going to cut through the wind better because of those higher BC bullets. And when it comes down to it, if I want a margin of error, 
I want it in my elevation calls. I don't want it to be in my wind calls. Like if I can eliminate as much of trying to see how, like the take away the most effect from my wind call, I'm going to do that over my elevation all day long. Okay. So six, five Creedmoor yeah. all day. Now, uh, explain the difference. What is the difference between 6.5 Creedmoor and 6.5 PRC? Uh, 6.5 PRC, uh, Magnum Bolt Face. It's a bigger, fatter diameter cartridge. Has more powder behind it and a lot more gas. Um, your factory rounds, I've seen them slow and I've seen them fast. Um, same with 6.5 Creedmoor. Creedmoor, I've seen them slow, I've seen them fast. I think the fastest lot of 6.5 Creedmoor 147 ELDMs I've ever shot was 27.50 on average. And then the slowest lot of 6.5 PRC 147s I've seen was 2,800. So, like, people are like, oh, what's the point of PRC? I can push 135 A-tips at 3,150, 3,200. I can push 147s above 3,000. I can, And so it has a lot more gas behind it. You can do a lot more with it. But, you know, uh, a lot of people have seen, like, oh, well, I shot 2,700 feet per second with the 6.5 Creedmoor. 20, 2,800 feet per second, same bullet in the 6.5 PRC. What's, it's just 100 feet per second. Well, that's factory ammo, and lots can vary, because I've also seen some up above 2,900. So, A, that's why we always test our lots of ammo and try to buy as much of a single lot as we can when shooting long mm -hmm. range. Um, but also, it's just, it's got more oomph to it, but it comes with the cost of burn sparrows a little faster. It has a little more recoil, stuff like that so it's there's always a trade-off okay but but stock six five there's nothing wrong with going stock mm -mm. five uh stock six five even if you wanted to yeah. do competition so i guess it really just comes down to uh what exactly does the person want slash need yep and you don't need to be a reloader and have these wildcat cartridges and shoot six dasher or six bra or you know 22 gt or any of these crazy wicked hand loading calibers people need to do you don't have to do that you can go be competitive with a six five creedmoor or six creedmoor or whatever you want like you don't have to do all the craziness see and that's something i tried to prove uh, that was you know when i started with arms core and rock island armor it was the idea like dude it's a lot don't get me wrong gear if your gear works that definitely helps yeah <laughs> okay oh yeah but but reliability to me is like way more than the flashy side of like oh well it's got you know it's it's dual toned and it's got a cool um cool set of grip panels and this hammer and this this trigger bar and da -da -da, it's all so super custom and so it's like that's great but if your gun jams on every fucking stage then it doesn't matter right exactly so reliability works more is worth more than looks and and all that kind of stuff and then a lot of times i mean Let's be honest. A Glock is way more accurate than most people can pull the trigger anyway. So when people talk about accuracy, it's like, dude, you're not shooting bullseye. I've seen you shoot. If you put one hand in your pocket and you try and shot a gun, shoot a gun with uh, with one hand, you know, straight out, just like a bullseye. Trust me, I, I'm in the same boat as you. We'd probably be lucky if we got six out of ten bullets on that target. <laughs> Right, so you're you're worrying about way too much about accuracy when like the difference of accuracy between like a, a a factory gun would be a group this size and a custom gun is a group this size. Trust me, that ain't making or breaking your national title. You're sucking because you're spending fifty extra rounds on steel and missing one out of every paper target. Yep. But um. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Wait, how? Why do so, you have to call people you know, out all... like that? Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> 
no one no one wants to hear the truth sometimes but it, it's beneficial right we learn way more from our failures than we do from our excesses like let's be honest us hum- as human beings so yep yeah, I, um, I, it actually is funny i did a podcast with uh dave back in the day and at one point in the podcast i said i said oh you don't need to go out and buy the 2011 you don't like shoot a freaking glock like i have national titles with a glock versus dude shooting 2011 like you're fine like until that is truly what's holding you back and you're like top 20 consistently and it's your pistol work that is truly holding your back don't even think about buying anything other than like a glock or some something like that don't even look at 2011s yet like there's no reason to and then later on the podcast I said, oh, buy a Benelli, buy once, cry once. And people were like, didn't you just break your own rules? It's like, no, 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 no. I say buy once, cry <laughs> once on shotgun because shotgun, the only thing that matters, the only, only thing that matters is reliability. Every shotgun can shoot the same. They all suck. I hate them. Not really. But <laughs> they're a pain in the butt. And the only thing that matters with shotguns is reliability. And so that's why I said buy once, cry once with the shotguns because reliability, 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 like... Yeah, no, I I had Nils on the podcast, and yes, we all we his his new motto is uh, shotguns are stupid. <laughs> he it's, just got done no, winning multi-gun nationals. No, but it's his new Nils. motto is you can't, shotguns are you stupid. can't listen to Nils. Shotguns are dumb. He doesn't know he, anything he shotguns says about dumb. anything other than pistols. I immediately discard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kidding, Nils. Uh, I love you. So he's have you have you watched or, or heard of the series he was on? So it was a YouTube series that was put on by a um, an online reloading uh, store. Maybe it was a YouTube channel or something like that. But it was called the Rock Chuck Olympics. No. <laughs> so we talked about it on his podcast. Basically, if if you go on YouTube and you search up Rock Chuck Olympics, there mm-hmm. was this. Um, it's like an eight episode series on on YouTube that they filmed and produced and all that kind of stuff. And it was basically this competition where. Nils is there as the speed shooter, so he's representing Gannick. He's um, Canik was also a sponsor of it, but they they basically gave these like eight competitors uh, a Canik rifle S to use to to shoot the pistol portions of these stages and stuff. Um, Stag Arms was another sponsor, so they provided everyone with AR. So it was kind of cool that, that each person got their own gun. So mm-hmm. when they went to go zero it, like they got to zero in their own platforms as they shoot, but. You know, Nils was the speed shooter, then they had a couple of hunters, and then they had a couple of, like, legit PRS guys, like one guy from South Africa and, and stuff, right? right? So they brought, they brought them all together, and then they had separate stages where one was, okay, we're going to focus on the pistol for this stage. And the next one was like, okay, we're going to focus on the AR platform for this stage. And then this one was, okay, we're using the bolt gun. And it was, you know, all these different scenarios. And like you said, like with NRL Hunter, it was almost kind of like, all right, so your time's going to start, you're going to run to the first marker, and then you just need to find your target. So <laughs> it's just blind. Like, you know, and, and Nils is not a hunter or anything like that, but he it's going. And, and I mean, the little rock chuck gophers and stuff for the targets they were shooting. And some of them, I mean, I don't know from the videos because I can't tell, but I mean, some of them look like I was like, oh, that's a very small target at a pretty decent distance. And, and you still got like six more positions to go hit, man. That kind of sucks, right? But um, anywho. Uh, that he he was on that show recently, and it, it was funny that uh, the the abilities, like like you said, fundamentals will beat gear, and and I mean Nils has probably some of the best shooting fundamentals. Like the guy, 
when I when I first started hanging out with him and we we would talk about shooting, you know, I would try to to pick his brain as to like, so tell me what you're tell me what you're thinking, what's going on in your head, and, and he, you know, it was just kind of like, I don't know, just sights and trigger, like sights good enough, trigger, you know, like I'm like, but but like, how did you get to that? Well, I don't know, I just sights and trigger, like that's just how his brain works. He doesn't he doesn't think about anything, he just does it right. His fundamentals are so strong that as long as he just executes it, and all he knows is that, nope, that trigger felt wrong, not. Well, I I put too much pressure on the right side of the trigger, and that's why I pushed the gun to the left, and therefore I was a miss on. The... He just goes, "That was wrong." Oh, yep, that was right. That's how you know. Like, that's how you kind of break it down. Yeah. But um, I I get the feeling. I I kind of know what he's where he's going at with a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I my train of thought completely got derailed on why I brought that up. I think it was just the aspect <laughs> of um of of just having. I don't even know anymore. I'm, I'm just rambling on. At this point, we're just going to go ahead and change. <laughs> Do you remember where I was going with that? No. God. I was I, I was what. lost in your eyes. I'm sorry. Well, we, we were talking about Nils. I don't know. Either way, he got to shoot up against some pretty mm-hmm. pretty legit um, precision guys. And uh, and he said he learned a whole lot um, from them. But, again, I, it just seemed like something that I was like when I was watching it. It, was, it almost gave me a top shot feel of like, boy, mm-hmm. that looks like it'd be fun to do. I'd be down to try that. That's why you're talking about NL, the NRL Hunter series as you're talking about it. I'm like, yep. ooh, that does sound pretty pretty fun. I might have to I might have to look into that. I brought – so one of the guys that I really stalk has been shooting PRS, and he's loving it. He's like, yep, and he wants to dive fully into that. Uh, he drove with me down to the finale in Wyoming – and he saw how that happened. He's like, nope, screw PRS. I'm done. Enter a hunter, man. I'm coming with you to every match next year. I was like, sweet, let's go. Yeah, I'll have to look into that because that does sound like fun. I got an extra rifle and extra bags. <laughs> Listen, I it's, te- it's not. I got extra binos. I got, Bro, don't, I got I, things for I got, you, bud. <laughs> I got stuff. I just, but, it, you know, I, it's funny. All the guns that I've, I've, I've held, I've owned one bolt-action gun. In my life, it was a 308 Browning X Bolt. I put zero rounds through it before I sold it because it just sat in my safe for a year. I always had intentions of mounting a scope and taking it out and shooting it, and I just never got around to it. Then finances got tight for me because, you know, divorces and all that kind of stuff and child support and whatever. So I, I sold it to mm-hmm. help pay bills. And, and now I'm back to being completely and utterly bolt actionless. Um, and I just still feel like, but I also feel like that, that gun, like it was, it was all right, but it wasn't what I wanted. Um, not, not make manufacturer features. Like it was just a guy was offering a trade for an AR that I had. And I was like, yeah, sure. What the hell? Why not? Mm-hmm. Let's go for it. Um, but I, I definitely feel like I need to get a bolt gun. In my yes, safe. you do. Yes, you do. I know. They're just... The the upfront cost for what I want is so expensive. What do you want? But, well, that's the that's the problem. Is I, I've got. See, if I just wanted to get started, if I just wanted to get one under my belt, I'd probably go along the Ruger American, or you know, rifle series. Probably probably even go with the Predator line. Um, just from what I've seen, as far as the cost for the performance that you can get from a rifle, right? Other than that, Bergera is another company that I would like to get that is a little bit more off the off the bat than the Ruger line, but it's not it's still not into that like semi custom shop, you know, feel and stuff. 
But then other than that, then it was the um, what is it? Seekins? Is it the Havoc? I think that was the other one. That's I was all their at. bolt rifles. So they have the new chassis rifle. That's the hit. They have the PH two, the the Hunter version. And then they have the Element, which is the ultra lightweight Hunter version. No, nah, so. maybe it was the PS two then. Maybe that's what I was looking at. Yeah. So you know, and that's that's where we start getting into like um, you know. Uh, how, how much do I have to pay Seekins to send me an invoice for what I tell Kelly <laughs> I paid for it versus knowing what I actually paid for it, right? I so. got I got a phone number for you to text, and we can keep it completely under wraps. Just make sure she doesn't see this episode. Edit this out, all right? <laughs> <laughs> but even then, right now, it's just kind of like, dude, yeah. even a thousand dollars would be like putting myself in a bad bad situation. So I'm no. I'm just I'm trying to be patient. I'm trying to. <laughs> do what i can i'm i'm working on it but uh you know i'll eventually get there but definitely sounds like something we're gonna have to do now let's let's go off real quick because you've started um your own kind of company mm-hmm. and per, uh pursuit yeah of the american dream and that is with alpha pursuit mm-hmm. so explain to people exactly what your goal is what your mission statement is for alpha pursuit all right so it's continual education like we can never be good enough there's always something to learn um i know you being a super high level shooter me being a super high level shooter we're at the top echelon or have been at some point of everything going on and no matter what we always say there's there's something more i always have something to improve on i always have something i can learn um i can go to you and if you and i have never had an in-depth rain session together where it's just you and i talking where we've we've delved into each other's minds about like our process and stuff like that because obviously you tried that with Nils and you learned Nils doesn't have anything for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nils is like the uh, Nils is like the Lego guy in the Lego movie. Like, wow, this is a barren wasteland of nothing. But he's seen the human, yeah. <laughs> you know. Like, um, and so what it is, it's it's you know we're always trying to pursue that alpha. Like, there's always the next level. There's always something more to do. And so it's it's just kind of play on words of like like. We're never in that alpha level. We're always trying to get it. We're in the pursuit of it, but none of us can ever really achieve it. I truly feel like, like there's, there's people. And then you think, oh, that person might be it. That might be there. And then next thing you know, they're pulling out another level of it. And you're like, what the heck? Like John Waddell was like, okay, he's a contender. Like he's top three. And then he came out this year and just showed everybody. He's like, no, uh, uh-uh. you guys don't even know. And just bodied everybody again. Just like, there's another level to it. And so now, what's what's that next level? And so it's 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 comes under the concept of never be complacency sucks. Never think good is good enough. Always be seeking to achieve more and learn more. Um, and I tell people all the time, it's like, okay, cool. I'm gonna teach you an intro to long range class. I'm gonna teach you a carving class, stuff like that. Go get instruction from other people. I'm not the end all be all. I'm just teaching you a portion of knowledge. Mm. You're going to teach them a different portion of knowledge. Joe Farewell is going to teach them another portion of knowledge. People can take my intro class and that only just gets them barely prepared to go up to Hat Creek and learn from those guys where they're just going to melt their minds with information. Like it's the idea that I always should be seeking knowledge. And so um, I've done some stuff in the past, a lot of local stuff. I have so many guys here locally that have keeping me busy teaching them classes, uh, intro to long range, intro to ballistics. I did a, uh, reloading class with a couple guys, uh, teaching them that. And so I've been 
just instructing on all sorts of different levels. I love to do one-on-one stuff, but my ideal size is like five people or less. Um, I even went out and did a modern carving class with Josh Freilich this spring, and that was super awesome. I got to experience Minnesota winter where he's like, oh, yeah, it'll be uh, sweatshirt weather, like 60 degrees. It'll be beautiful. I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then I show up, and there's feet of snow on the ground. I'm like, dude, what is this? He's like, I, I, I don't know. It's it's uh, Minnesota. It's like, so, uh, but that was a good time. Um, and the way I teach what I've learned, I based a lot of stuff off my fundamentals that I've learned from precision air rifle, small bore, all that kind of stuff. And it's very fundamentally based and it's, I almost give skills more in the way I teach as to give you things to think about and things to observe about yourself as you're shooting and applying the things I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you also how to recognize things that are going on to say, oh, okay, well, why is my wobble zone like this? And then you think about what I to- told you about your positioning in your body and why you're consistently having a up, right, down, left wobble. It's because you need to move your foot like this, because you're not setting a base up like this. You don't have, you know, you're not under yourself well enough. And it starts making you think about things like that. And then you start to learn through doing it more after you leave my class. You start to learn more about yourself because I can't, teach a true blanket for everybody because everybody's different and it'll give you a lot of things to think about so you can self-improve better and uh as you go and learn from you know other people you can use my thought processes and things i've taught you about how to observe about yourself uh while giving you skills that you can then take it from their class and be like okay now that i'm doing this this way i actually like it better because of this reason and how my body reacts to her. It's like, I don't really like that as much because of so, so reason. It, it, it gives you uh, the ability to critically think about a lot of things you're doing. Um, so I have a lot of great ideas and things I want to do next year. But this year I was gone uh, for four weeks for a TDY uh, for the military. I was gone for another six weeks for another train school for the military. Um, and then as soon as I got back from that hunting season started, I was gone for that class, Josh Freilich. Um, I did a trip to another place. Like I was just so busy this year. I was like, I'm going to launch it this year. And then this year said, no, you're not. (laughs) Um, but I kind of did a soft launch, um, of everything. So I'm doing a little bit more and actually I can't, not going to give full details, but remember how I did an event with Seekins, Vortex, Everly Stock and Shingani Safaris like two years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Those those guys are back, and we're bigger and badder than last time. And we have a whole whole thing we're going to be doing. If um, and for those of you that don't know, um, two years ago, I did a fundraiser with those four companies and a couple others to raise money to pay 100% for some juniors to come and shoot with me, uh, Tim Ramberg and Evan Tisler at a match. They shot on our squad. They shot his teams. We covered all of their ammo, all of their entry fees, and got them there. We even got them a bunch of swag from from Everly Stock, a bunch of range bags and stuff like that from the money we raised. So I'm going to do that again, but the prize packages are bigger. The cause is a little easier to support, and it's going to be more widespread and affect more people. And so um, coming up here soon, be watching on the Alpha Pursuit page on Instagram and Facebook. That'll be launched. I'm going to tease it a little bit leading up to it, but there's going to be a lot, like a lot, a lot. 
Like a lot. Yes. Like a yes, lot. Yes, I do remember that because I was one of the winners that that entered for it. Yep. So, <laughs> yep. actually, I still use I still use to this day that um, my little cigar holder and mm-hmm. cutter and um, yep. the the glasses and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that was a that was a cool giveaway. Uh, of course, I, I thought it was cool because I won. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> um, this one's bigger and better, way bigger, way better. And well, then I'm gonna go so. and edit this part out of the show so that no one knows that it's coming. Uh, <laughs> 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 so I don't have good, like, no. Uh, well, and that was cool too because uh, what was the program that it was? It was like uh, what was it? Eat, hunt, pray, eat. Hunt, hunt, pray, eat. Yep, yeah, hunt, pray, eat. Okay. Yep. Uh, one of our buddies started that model nonprofit. I'm working with a different one this year. Um, just because when it's announced and launched, you'll understand why. Uh, it goes a lot more in line with everything that's happening. But, yeah. And so we raised a bunch of money for Hunt, Pray, Eat, and for the, uh, me to be able to pay for the juniors to do a bunch of stuff. So um, that's going to be a big thing I do here soon. And then next year, I'm actually going to have class dates. I'm actually going to have event dates. And I'm actually going to be doing a lot of things. So, so for those that need to... Uh follow you what what is your tag for instagram twitter facebook all that kind of stuff. Um, information or alpha pursuit on facebook and then instagram's alpha pursuit official because somebody else had alpha pursuit that they haven't posted on in like seven eight years but um Best yeah point. alpha alpha pursuit official um and especially instagram mostly um i kind of try to stay off the face spaces these days but um Unfortunately, you know that that was the problem, right? Was, I think I talked to I, th- I think it was Kenzie uh, on my podcast about that. It was like you, we all took we all took bets, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like, what what platform do we build ourselves on? And Instagram was the majority of I think most people said, okay, we're gonna yeah. go to Instagram because that's gonna be the the biggest platform stuff. Then Facebook took it over, started censoring everyone. Um, YouTube starting to censor everyone. Who would have thunk that Twitter? Was the was the company we all should have been backed up on because as soon as Elon took it was like oh my gosh now I'm not being censored anymore I'm not being shadow banned and I have six followers because I did like twelve tweets and I said this thing is dumb yep <laughs> and stopped using it I still don't understand how to use it and I refuse to but also I'm like eh, I might need to <laughs> yeah I would have never I'm guessed trying, that one. but like God man it's just and and I'll tell you what it's um. The, the having no censorship has its pluses and minuses, right? Because um, every time I open up the now it's called X, not not Twitter. Mm-hmm. Every time I open up X, there is just like a in your face plethora of bad news, negative images, you know, gang related shootings or murders and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, it, you it's it's right there in front of you to see. And it's I don't know. It's a good thing and a bad thing in the fact that like. I think every now and then it's it's nice to be reminded, or it's it's not nice, but you need to be reminded that uh, this is a violent world. There are some sick people out there that will just come up behind you and cold clock you in the back of the head just to try and take a couple bucks out of your wallet. You know, like yeah. that that was the, that stuff exists. It's real. Like when <laughs> I was strolling through YouTube one night, and this guy from uh, I think it was uh, uh, somewhere overseas in Europe, probably. I, I, where was he? I don't think it was the Ukraine, but it was someone in that area, Serbia or something like that. And he was talking to me. He's like, you know, one of the craziest things about coming to the States is like, you guys shoot guns for fun. He's like, 
No one in my country hears someone shooting a gun and they think, oh, Tommy's over there having a great time. No, we're all like, wow, someone's getting murdered. Someone's being killed right now. <laughs> like, this is, this is real, you know, yeah. there's an invasion, there's a war, there's civil war and stuff. Like, we are not the common factor in the world. We are the, uh, the the offset we're we're what's what's different about the rest of the world as far as us having our rights our our ability to to tell the government hey you're dumb and then not show up at your door and arrest you for it you know like that's we're the exception to the rule but everyone thinks like well this this is just normal everyday things like no <sighs> it's, it's violent out there and I mean, we even see it in our cities happening more and more with uh, with what's going on, right? Just way more violence. You, the, your your need to be able to protect yourself, your family, your community, like is is heightened for sure right now. Um, it, it's crazy to me how blind a lot of people are, and especially to a lot of the bigger, more powerful powers in the world, and how hmm. serious some situations are. And it's like. Your average person on the street, the biggest thing they're concerned about is the Kardashians or some stupid crap like that. And then, you know, they and they, and, it's, and it's funny, the people screaming about white privilege and like all the privileges and this, that, and the other are the people who are so disconnected with reality and privileged more than anybody else. And it's like, you don't understand any of this, do you? Yeah. Any of it. I, Bill Burr said it best. He's like, I, I love how white women completely hijacked the Black Lives Matter movement. Like, they had their own thing going. They were doing their own thing. And then yeah. all of a sudden, white women just came in and said, yeah, this. And he was like, uh, his, his whole bit about it is fantastic if you haven't never seen it. Bill Burr, by far one of my favorite comedians, yeah. because he's he's one of those guys that's like, look, I'm going to tell you what I think. And if yeah. you don't like it, well, the door's over there. I know No one's keeping you in this auditorium to listen to what I have to say kind of thing. But... He says stuff that's super funny and and, yeah. and, and real and all. Why that do you think stuff, a lot but... of people call us colonizers still? Because we still take everything over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, right. Well, I know, I know, we're probably getting pretty close to when you need to start getting ready to go to work and stuff. Mm. But uh, uh, before we take off, I, I've got a couple of fast fire questions. I like to finish my podcast off with okay. for you, and then we'll we'll give you some time at the end here to, to say what you need to say. So, the first uh, question is: Would you rather spend one year alone or one year with someone that you can't stand? One like a year alone. <laughs> Easy. I I figured. Easy. What if? Okay, let, let's do this. One year alone or six months with someone you can't stand? A year alone. <laughs> Okay, same. Yeah, that, right. that is way too easy, bro. <laughs> Come on, I go Would do you rather the creature. Okay. I go do night night creature things out in the freaking woods by myself. Like, come on, man, <laughs> that's easy. All right. Would you rather be able to see one year in the future, or would you rather go back one year in the past? Oh, I mean. Oh, that's a hard question because I'm going to do the same thing either way. Like, uh, I'm going to know what Invest to stop. in the winners? Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Either way, it's like, where, where do I want to go? Or, you know, I might, we want, we I want might go backwards. Time machine. I might go backwards because I know exactly <laughs> what the interest rate's doing. I don't know what interest rates are going to do in the future. So, like, I'm going to go backwards. But see, if well, and and so I think either way you're fine as far as the investment guy size goes. But like, I would be interested is if if I was able to to see one year in the future is just to, um, for me, the financial thing obviously would be a plus. But it was also it would also be a matter of uh, 
checking to see a state of the world and whether or not I'm in a good spot for raising my daughters or yeah. should I be GTFOing. So that's that's the other, the yeah. only other reason I would look forward in seeing the future. But That absolutely um, makes sense. Now, if you had to give one up, would you rather give up rifle hunting or bow hunting? Hmm. And we'll include crossbows in bow hunting because no. like, I, I know no. like physical no. limitations. No, no, no. Well, so the reason I'll say that is this. <laughs> if you can pull a bow back, then you should be using a bow. Yeah. But if you're physically unable to, whether or not you, you sustain an injury or you just your body is degrading from whether or not it's sickness or age, then by all means, go for a crossbow. If you're a 32-year-old dude that can bench press you know, 150 pounds, no problem, and you're using a crossbow, we got an issue. Okay. Yep. No, uh, <laughs> that's my thought. I have hate but, for crossbows, but I mean, my grandpa had to use a crossbow here in Idaho, so he got the medical waiver and all that kind of stuff. Was able to actually hunt elk See, again. Necessity, exactly. and he still gets to go out and chase animals. So yep. I'm all for the crossbow in the right setting. But yeah, if you're if you're a 32 year old healthy dude that's just lazy as hell and don't want to go out and practice shooting your compound bow, well then, tough shit. Wait for rifle season. <laughs> um, just because of the long term accessibility over the course of all time. I give up bow hunting for rifle hunting because you can still essentially bow hunt with a rifle. You know, just go with an iron sight but rifle out there, and you know you're gonna be. It's gonna feel like bow hunting because you got to get close. Um, but uh, long uh, long term down the road, really. it's like you know because I sure as hell am not gonna try and shoot anything with iron sights. I would still probably be comfortable taking shots at two three hundred yards. I ain't doing that with a bow. Okay, okay, okay. Listen, <laughs> listen. You're right. But still, like, <laughs> you can go hunt close timber. Like, you can still do things that are bow-esque or, you know, give mm -hmm. yourself a personal limit. But um, so I'm, thinking, I'm thinking down the road when I'm, like, 65, you know, really old or I get disabled. I break, you know, I screw up my leg, my just back so you or know, something. Every, everyone that's 70 or older just got super offended by you. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I know what y'all look like. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's one of those things, like... I can shoot. I can shoot something across that canyon still, or out really up high up that mountain where I can't get up to more, no more. And it's just be like, hey, go get it. I'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it just All right. provides uh, more opportunity for the whole realm of your life. So copy that. All right. Uh, do you prefer hot subs or cold subs? Oh, hot subs all day. Oh, I mean, some people like cold cut combo trio like Happy Gilmore. Yeah, I'm a Philly. <laughs> I'm a chicken cheesesteak kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's solid. And a local sure. local sandwich shop by me has uh, what they call a thick chick. It's good. You'll have to come come by and get it. <laughs> <laughs> I need I need to make a trip out to Idaho for sure. Um, we'll have to talk again. That's 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 going to be a, yeah. a hunting experience for sure. But um, all right, last question is: Would you rather have muddy ground but it be sunny? Or would you rather have firm ground, but in a downpour? Uh, and this could be for whatever. It could be for hunting. It could be for shooting. It could be firm for Firm ground, ground downpour. Like just... Firm ground downpour. Mud sucks through and through and through. <sighs> yep. I, I I recently got to go to the World War uh, World War One Historical Museum here in uh, Kansas City with my daughter. When she came to visit. And yeah, they talk about how the mud is mud is hell was one of the the quotes because it was like it would get so thick that like soldiers would get stuck in it and then mortars going off and t 
tanks and cars and all the, the destruction that was going on. Like some guys just got buried alive in mud because it just kept caking down on them and they couldn't get out of it because it was so thick, man. Yeah, I agree. And and I'm talking about from like the bitchy miserable thing. Like, oh, my shoe came off my foot. <laughs> Not even like life or death. Like, oh my yeah. God, I'm going to die here in mud. But no, I agree. And, and slipping, falling on your ass is just embarrassing. Uh, it hurts the ego. Hurts And, and nowadays being a little bit older like it hurts the knees hurts the ankles hurts the hips everything <laughs> the hurts day waking up. i mean you trip and fall now in your your mid-30s late 30s and you're like you actually wake up sore the next day like what the hell happened i remember being you know 19 drunk off my ass i mean you know 21 drunk off my ass <laughs> um you know and sleeping on bathroom floors and waking up the next day and feeling great because mm-hmm. the the bathroom floor was nice and cool and i could lay on it but all right well that was the last question um, and I, I agree with you for sure. Firm ground and downpour, I'm, I'm okay with. So, uh, with that being said, what I'd like to do for the last part of this podcast is, uh, I give you the floor. If there's any companies that you want to give a holler to, if there's any foundations or events coming up that you want to promote, um, this, this is your time, man. So, uh, say what you need to say. All right. Well, I mean, obviously I need to kind of shout out that you need to go follow my page Alpha pursuit official. Um, and my main page, my personal page is three gun Lipa L E E P A on that. Um, because I have that fundraiser being announced here soon. Um, I have a little bit of a couple teasers, like I said, but here soon, I'm going to get to shoot the actual launch video, get all the details out there and we're going to run it live, uh, very, very shortly. So go stay tuned for that. It's for an amazing cause for raising money for junior shooters again, um, as a premise. So obviously something you need to do just by moral standards, right? So I'll, I'll, I'll guilt people into it. I don't care. Uh, um, 100% of the proceeds are going back and going to, into uh, giving back to juniors. So um, it's, it's when I explain the whole thing, it'll be really cool. Um, Vortex, obviously, that new Impact 4000, really worth check out if it's your realm mark. It's not for everybody, but for those that could benefit from it, super amazing tool. Um, every single bit of firing solution data you could need it has so um really awesome and then seekins like we said earlier we never got to it but uh they released their hit mount uh it's a one piece universal mount they're gonna have it in 30 millimeter 34 35 30, like all the weird sizes and current sizes currently they only have 34 millimeter in stock but others are coming soon it's got an s-lock technology so what it does is a wedge and so when you put it onto your picatinny rail it has its standard pick rail stuff but then there's a wedge in there that when you tighten the screw down it widens and completely eliminates any and all slot between pick tinny rails and so once you mount it and turn that screw down it locks it in place just absolutely insanely firm like uh the demonstration they gave to me uh this spring when i was up there when it was still unannounced was they locked that down in between the pick tinny rails and he said pick up that rifle and it the scope wasn't attached like the mounting blocks to clamp the Picatinny rail weren't there. It was just that one in between, and I picked up a rifle with just that. So mm. it's really cool. It's really cool. Um, they have different caps that are going to go on them to where you can add Picatinny rails, bubble levels, uh, laser rangefinder bridges, the diving boards for that. So you can put things like the Vortex Impact 4000 out there. And then those are also backwards compatible with any of their old rings. So if you have a two-piece set of rings, one of the AR rings or whatnot, you can take these accessory caps and put them on those rings and do whatever you want with it. So um, super cool system. 
and obviously Seekins makes incredible products and I shoot all of the rifles hint hint <laughs> um, and so gotta give those guys a shout out and then Everly Stock if you guys haven't checked it out I don't know I talked with you a little bit about it you guys need to check out they're releasing more and more and more uh, apparel they got a bunch of guys in there um, and they want to be competitive with you know guys like Nerona uh, what's the name Arterix stuff like that they want to be competitors with them and Kuyu and all that kind of stuff so they're making a lot of cool stuff and then obviously their packs are amazing always have been um but yeah, biggest thing is look at that fundraiser and also check out NRL Hunter style matches. Be ready for that. And then watch out. I got events coming up, which I'll tell you more specifically about one you need to come out for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to get the down low, all you yeah. people. Uh, yeah, that's right. I can't spill that's all me, the beans. <laughs> Right on. Well, you know what? To, to before I wrap this up entirely, uh, I'm going to expand a little bit on what you talked about, which is the the youth side of, of everything. It was something I, I was I wanted to bring up, but I knew we were running low on time. But since you brought it up, I'm just going to mm -hmm. I'm going to back you and 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 double down with what you said. Look, our youth are under attack right now on a constant basis, and it seems like one of the best things they can try and do is eliminate manliness to eliminate toughness. Uh, you got a problem with someone don't handle it yourself go go give it to someone else and, and let them handle it for you and all this kind of bullshit um, look I'm not saying going around and, and punch every kid that gets in your way but some kids need <laughs> some kids need that life lesson yep. of what it means to, you know what it feels like to get punched in the mouth when you when you mouth off to the wrong person about the wrong things right so um, and yeah that you can tell that you know they want to uh, attack manly myths because that's what they're attacking right now this whole gender bullshit like oh if you're a man you could be a woman no you can't you're a man you're a dude okay if you're a woman you're a woman but the biggest biggest thing to get through is to understand they're gonna by coming after the kids they're they're you gotta understand it's not just your kid it's a generation Right. Yep. So by doing things like getting your kids involved with the firearms industry, with the hunting industry, with just being outdoors, it, it you don't have to go hunting. Take your kid fishing. Take your kid camping. Give them some life skills about what it's like to live, quote unquote, off grid, even though you're living or you're you're temporarily living in a, a homeless <laughs> outset, which is what a campsite is. Right. Mm -hmm. like you still got plugs. You still got a, a shower facility. But like you just learn so much from yourself and from your from your family and and from nature but you got to get out there to learn it like you said you can read all the books you want you can watch all the videos you want but unless you get out there and actually experience it you're really not learning anything same thing yep. with nature you can read you can watch meat eater all you want but until you climb your ass up into a tree sit still for a couple hours and wait for a deer to come around you're not going to know what that feels like so um I second that for sure get your kids involved take them out shooting take them out hunting take them out fishing camping whatever you can that's not just about the hunting and what you know you're, you're building core memories there some of my best memories about my dad who's, who's passed away is just the fact that he used to drag me out when i didn't want to go to events outside to go hiking to go fishing camping and all that kind of stuff like i wanted to stay inside and play um counter-strike on my <laughs> computer but no i had to go camping for a week and now those are some of my best memories. The, so. Yeah, I can agree with that. So a couple of days ago when we were up on the mountain chasing elk for the final day of season, um, it's, it was an area I haven't been into in like 10 years. You know, I just have never made it back. 
And I was able to walk by spots. I was like, oh, yeah, I ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. My grandpa right here. Oh, me and my dad. Like, I had all these places like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I would walk up to this 10 years later and be like, this is the spot. And I can tell you exactly what happened here and what we were doing. Like, that that stuff gets yep. ingrained in you. Yeah, exactly. So do that for your kids. Guys, get your youth involved. Make sure that they understand what it means to not uh, be afraid to, to stand up for themselves, to stand up for things they believe in, um, even when they're the only one doing it. With that being said, wow, that got serious all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm going to end it right there before we, we start imparting any more life advice. But, guys, thank you so much for tuning into another episode. Cody, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you uh, jumping on. I know this was like all of a sudden I was doing a live broadcast. And we were just like, oh, <laughs> Cody, hey, let's check. Vortex just dropped this optic. But, yep. uh, again, thank you so much for coming on board. And uh, for everyone else listening. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to, to enjoy the podcast. And like I said, make sure you go follow Cody. Um, he's going to have some big announcements coming up soon. I can personally tell you from the last one that the giveaway, not just the fact that I won. Either way, giving uh, you know your, your donations to something that actually freaking matters is huge, right? Um, and I know Cody. I, I would back him up 100%. So um, make sure you go follow him. And with that being said, we're going to end this one. And uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Stay tuned for the next episode of Open Action with John McLean brought to you by Arms Corps Precision.